Ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode of Icy Takes with Jeff and Big Dave. Jeff on the other side, Big Dave over here. No Zach this week from Pennsylvania. He'll probably be joining us next week. But Jeff, you know, you, you sounded a little grumpy before the show. I don't know what's happening over there and up in, up in your neck of the woods. But how are you? Oh, just a little tired today. Uh, long, long night with the Super Bowl and everything. And um, just an absurd night of betting for me because I... I put down about $75 worth of bets, and I checked my account this morning, and I had $78.45 in my account. So I literally only made $3 off all the money that I spent for the Super Bowl. So um, it's, it's a net profit, though. It is a net profit, and it, you know, you take your wins where you can get them, but it, it was just kind of like the why did I even bother? Like, there's like the, the one that killed me was the. Um, so I had the, the Chiefs and the over, and if the um, the 49ers get a field goal at the end of the first half, that that ends up upping my total a lot higher. So, um, yeah, kind of more of like a disappointing, like, why did I even bother to bet last night? But uh, you take your winnings and you, you try and turn them around somewhere else, right? Exactly. I mean, if I can brag a little bit, I can, I can tell you what hit for me. Um, I had a four-leg parlay for the Chiefs spread, money line, the under, and Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown. That got me $40.69. There you go. I also had a straight-up Travis Kelsey anytime uh, touchdown for $25, which paid out $52.50. Okay. And I think, I think those were the big ones. But I also had three of my four coin toss bets hit. On a dollar each of them. Jeez. The only one that I didn't hit, I thought the Niners would say heads, but they said tails. If I switch that, I'm perfect there. Wow. So I, I did go. okay. So yeah, that's a little like football segment. Yeah, a little bit of Super Bowl talk, which everybody's talking about it. Real quick, what did you think of the halftime show? You know, I don't care what people say about how or what they may have saw when those two were, were performing. But they put on a hell of a show, and you know, you know, age is always a factor. But they—that's Jayla, who's fifty, and Shakira, who's forty-three—looking better and more athletic out there than both of us, and just doing their thing and performing live. It was—it was an incredible performance. I Did can you see why people thought it was a little risque, but I was into it. I think that's the perfect word for it. It was a little risque. I get it, but I mean. At the end of the day, you're appealing to an audience that a lot of people are probably gambling and a lot of people are probably men between the ages of 18 and 40, right? So, so, so I mean, for, for, for the first time in a long time, we had somebody that wasn't 75 years old with a guitar in front of a microphone. So, uh, I mean, I, that was like back in like the early 2000s where, when we had those performances. Well, who I can't remember. Oh, Maroon Animal 5 v- was last year. Yeah. yeah. And then so, the year I mean, before that was Timberlake, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I get why people are a little ruffled their feathers a little bit, but I think maybe that's what they're going for. Yeah. So, I mean, I they, mean they were also showing off their culture a lot, which. Yeah. Uh, the, the Miami culture, the, 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 uh, the Latino culture down in. Miami was definitely on uh, in the spotlight. So, so I, was, I was into that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, we ready to dive in here, or you got anything else for the Super Bowl for our quick talk? No, no, I, I had fun gambling. I'm happy with who won, and now we can move on to hockey. Cool, sounds good. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are back in action, Dave. Yes. They're back in action after what seems to be an eternity since they played, and they played a couple of opponents that I think people in Pittsburgh are familiar with, right? The This team called the Philadelphia Flyers and the Washington Capitals. Yeah, I, Ever I've hear of them? heard of at least one of those teams. Maybe yeah. not both. Yeah. Um, they, so they opened up the break, from the break at home against the Flyers on Friday night. They won 4-3. to three. Um, Did you watch any of this, Dave? Because I kind of have an opinion on it that, like, I don't know if people are going to agree with me, but I'm curious of if you watched I, it and what you thought. I was I was unable to watch it Friday night. Um, people 
were coming over this weekend and no, uh, usually that's when you have the game on, but where I was at, we didn't have cable and we didn't look up a stream. Uh, okay. So, but from what I was understanding from the game, it was a real grinded out win by the pens, even though I believe they had the lead in there. Yeah, they had the lead and it, it, it was just weird. Like the first half of the game, you could tell both teams had just come from a break too. So like, it wasn't, wasn't smooth or clean like it was very choppy passes weren't clicking or whatever and um and then the penguins kind of opened it up a little bit they got some good puck movement some time in the flyers and built themselves a lead and then they kind of just sat back on in the third period and uh the flyers were able to to climb back in the game force overtime and then the flyer killer killer himself Sidney crosby wins it in overtime but um yeah, it, it was just like one of those games. I guess you would expect after a after a long break that you know you, the, the timing was off, passes were off, and everything. Um, I don't know. It was just like a weird game, and I thought it was interesting that the NHL came right right out of the break with like Penguins Flyers. I, I would think you would want to get both those teams playing um, like on a pretty consistent schedule, so you're getting getting the best out of everybody. In, in, in a game like that, I don't know what I don't know if you think differently or maybe I sound out of out of place or whatever. But that was just my opinion on on the game Friday night. Well, it's also weird or odd or however you want to word it that they also had their last game played against the Flyers as well. And what was it like a three or four nothing shutout by the Flyers where it almost seemed like the Pens were just there to show up just to show up and not get a forfeit. You're right. I mean, it, it again. It was just it was just weird. I would have thought they would have put like like Carolina in there or like something that wasn't as high profile as Penguins Flyers. You know what I mean? Yeah, and but that too. With that being said, you can still um, take advantage and grab onto the audience that was with you during the All Star break and get you started right away because. Are you? Would you be a fan, if any year, depending on how the teams play the year before, to have a Penn's Flyers open the season? Yeah, good point. I mean, uh, that that seems to be a thing. Like Ottawa, Toronto always plays to start off the year too. So, um, you know, definitely rivalries can work right off the hop. It, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I I get what you mean there. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not, I see where you're getting at with, you know, hey, we just came off an all-star break. Do we really have to go straight into our one of our arch rivals in the same state and get right back into the grind that we just took a break from? So I get what you're saying from there, but I think it was a, a good play by them. But the only thing I had a maybe a problem with was they just played the, the Flyers right before the all-star break which you could have had these teams go back to back either before the all-star break or after the all-star break and get either one day rest or no day rest and have those teams really battle it out in two days three and or two days straight or in three days right kind of kind of like the uh the battle of alberta that we just saw last week you had you had a home and home it was like a wednesday and a saturday night but um you know, to have those two teams, you had all that hatred and everything, and it ended up boiling over in the first game in Edmonton, and then in Calgary, it really got blown over, which we'll get into that later. But I kind of wish they would have did it like that because if in the the game in Philadelphia before the break, it it what didn't really have anything with it. It seemed like two teams that were ready to get just get on their bye week and go on vacation to wherever they were going. And then you had no emotion, really. It seemed like in the uh, in in the game Friday night. I mean, Teddy Bluger got into a couple scrums here or there, but nothing really panned out out of that. So, um, yeah, it was it was just weird. It was just something I I, I was kind of gnawing on over the weekend, thinking about uh, how to talk about the Penguins Flyers game because it, 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 neither game was really that you know crazy or Penn's Flyers ish if I can make up a word. Um, <laughs> just where it, it's just a constant battle. It, it on, yeah, it, it honestly just, almost. It, it seemed like they were playing Detroit in the middle of November is what it felt like. It did not feel like it had that animosity of 
of Penguins Flyers that we're used to. Um, so also just looking at the the score chart, I believe that the Penguins were were they down two nothing or just one nothing? Because they almost seemed like they hit a really good stride there in that second period where they were just going to win the game in regulation and not have to look back. Uh, they did trail uh, one nothing to start, and then they went up three to one, and then the Flyers came back and scored the next two to make it three three, and then the Penguins won um, one four three in, in overtime. And it was a quick overtime too. It, it was, was yeah. It was barely even an overtime. Sidney Crosby just doing Sidney Crosby things. But if we want to go into the next matchup, you thought the Pengs? Yeah, the Pengs. I wanted to say Pens, and then I was extending into Penguins, and that was really weird. Um, if you want to look, if you wanted the Penguins to have a difficult challenge early on and get that win in overtime, then they had to go to Washington, and that was a battle, Jeff. If well, I didn't get to see all of it, but um, that, that was a battle. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about in the, after this game, everybody was talking about how great a seven-game series would be between these two teams, which seems like it's it's always a great series between these two teams. If you look back in their history, not too many times has there, has there been a sweep, or it's been like in five games. It's usually been pretty quick, um, or, or it's been like long six, seven-game series, ups and downs, tough losses, overtime wins. Um, so when these two teams get together, it seems to always be a classic. And now you ha- we've had the Crosby Ovechkin rivalry since 2005. They've they've kind of hyped it up even more. Um, this game, the the one thing that I took away from this is these two teams beat the hell out of each other. And I mean, it, it started right off the puck drop. It seemed like every check was being finished, every whistle. There was a scrum in front of the net. Guys were grabbing guys and kind of going kind of pushing and shoving and everything. So um, it was definitely a playoff-like game between these two teams. And I think, yeah, the Penguins came out winning 4-3, to three, but I think they sent a message to the Caps that you might not have the Metropolitan Division locked up quite yet. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like the Capitals were running away with it. They did have a really great start, almost similar to kind of what the Lightning did last year. And the Lightning just rode it out all the way up until the playoffs. Um, but this this Penguins team is one of the best teams to overcome all the ad- adversity it has gone through this year. Um, you would have expected a full slate of games by Sidney Crosby, maybe a game or two off just for rest sake. And same thing for Gino and everyone else on board. You would have thought, I mean, because I mean, it's happened so much, you would have thought the only injury the Pens have with Justin Schultz with the way that they've been playing, but they've been able to overcome everything with the, with the wingers and forwards being out the the D men that have been hurt and other people stepping up. Um, I mean, not that this could be a different topic, but Marcus Pedersen just recently got an extension based off his play. So um, for, for the Penguins to get these two wins right off the bat against who they played gives me, not, I wouldn't say hope because I already believe in this team, but it it makes me not worry as much going down the stretch. I'm going to list off four names that scored in the Washington game, and I want to tell you if you would ever think the Penguins would win with with these just these guys scoring. You had Sam Lafferty, Patrick Hornquist, Dominic Simone, and Brandon Tanev all score, and the big guys of Crosby and Malkin only had two assists. I mean, Eight. it's a miracle enough that Dominic Simone scored. Right, right, 100%. So, if you see that name on the score sheet, you're probably going to win. Yeah, I mean, the depth scoring was huge. And I think, too, you see all the star power when these two teams get together, but it really just comes down to depth scoring, right? Because the, the superstars essentially just cancel themselves out. You yeah. know, you get Cros- you Crosby Ovechkin cancel themselves cancel themselves out backstrom malkin usually cancel themselves out and if you want to get even deeper into it Latang and carlson kind of cancel themselves out because they're worried about the forward superstar power so those guys get kind of you know having to play more conservative they can't play as as open and as offensive as they as what we're used to seeing them because they're too worried about playing defense defense 
so they're not chasing the game because you can't afford to chase the game against against these two teams. Yeah, and you know, even when these teams were playing in the playoffs during the back to back cups and even the the next year when the Capitals beat them, it it's always going to be determined by depth scoring by those two teams. Um I mean the goalie the goalie play means a little bit, especially this year when not only do you have a bit of a controversy between Murray and Jari, look at the other end with Washington. You got Holtby and uh, Samsonov kind of going at it because Holtby has been a shell of himself, and Samsonov, even with last night, even with yesterday's loss, is, is still looking really good. Yeah, they said on the broadcast yesterday that he won like his last eleven decisions or something like that. So I mean, he was playing well, but I think he was sixteen two and three going into that game. Yeah, so, I mean, he was playing well, but, I mean, he didn't even really look that impressive yesterday. I mean, you, though. When you put up, when you give up four goals, it, it usually takes away from it, but just with the overall physicality and the amount of, how many shots did, did he save in that game? Um, I but, got it right uh, here. Okay. Hang on. I mean, he went 29 of 33, which you, know, you always want your goalie to be at nine or higher, I believe. Am I wrong? Yeah, you'd like it to be closer to like the mid nineties instead of instead of like hovering around ninety and eighty nine or so. Um, but I mean, yeah, around the ninety percent mark, you're you're usually pretty good. Yeah. So I mean, we should expect these two teams to play against each other in the playoffs. Um, there's a there's a chance, just like last year, that it won't happen. But we should expect these two teams to meet up, and it was probably going to be in that second round as well. Um, if you were to take a team right now, Jeff, before we uh, move on over to our next subject, who would you take in that seven-game series right now? Um, oh, man, that's tough. Um, I would probably... Uh, hey, and let's I'm go with s- the current standings and say that Washington has home ice. Washington has home ice. I'm going to take Pittsburgh. I know it sounds like a homer pick, um, but I just, I, I just like the the amount of adversity this team has had to go through throughout the year and, every, and the injuries and the guys that have stepped up to score. I, just, I, I like a lot of what Pittsburgh has after guys named Crosby, Malkin, Latang, et cetera, et cetera. They, they get scoring from – they got scoring from all four lines – on um on Sunday afternoon, and the, the the Capitals had two goals by Lars Eller and one by Kuznetsov. So I mean, do, do they have enough depth scoring to keep up with the Penguins? Is probably my biggest question. I think I'd say right now I would still pick the Penguins, even with the Capitals having home ice, and that just might be my future bet talking. But I think that what you just said was absolutely correct and um, a great reason why the penguins could beat this the caps in a seven game set um now now my my only question that my only concern i should say i shouldn't say question my only concern is for as physical and how heavy the capitals play can the penguins survive a seven game series exactly that's that's the only thing that makes me want to take washington i was gonna bring that up but yeah i mean Everything you're saying is spot on. So, uh, really, this is your show right now. You're <laughs> you're taking the reins. So, uh, looking ahead after we looked at two games that happened over the weekend, uh, two games for the rest of the week, uh, they fly down to sunny Florida because, you know, it hasn't been nice at all here in, in uh, Pittsburgh. But uh, they fly down to Tampa Bay on Thursday. They fly down to Florida on Saturday night. Um Dave, what are you thinking here? Um, I'm thinking they get a split out of this. You're you're okay, right? So do I, and I could even see maybe an overtime win in Florida, just so with the way the game flow has gone for these paying ones. Their three of their last four games have been four to three, and I mean you got the comeback against Boston, which was incredible. Um, then the taking the first game against the Flyers four to three, and the way they won last yesterday against the Capitals, you can see one of these games going into overtime. I would think it'd be more likely with Florida. Um, I know the Lightning have been pretty hot recently, and I 
can foresee that one being the loss. Yeah, well, I, I'm honestly on a coin flip who I think they'll get two points against. Um, I think Tampa's going to be a good measuring stick because I think Tampa's starting to kind of kickstart themselves into gear and get themselves going. Um, but Florida's been hot, too. They've won six out of their last seven, um, and they score a lot. The question is, can they keep the puck out of their own net? So um, I wouldn't be shocked if they took three out of four going down to Florida, but I'm, I'm not going to get greedy here, and I'm going to say that, that they get at least a win on, on one of these, these uh, games on the road. I'm more of a fan if the Pens beat up on the, the Panthers just because – Bobrovsky's not worth that much. <laughs> you, you want so. that contract to get as buried much as possible. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. He ruined the goalie market. Well, since we're going to talk about goalies, hey, let's move over. Segue, people. How about a segue there? How about that? Um, let's shift over to Western Canada because we had Oilers, Flames, Hockey Night in Canada. Huge Johnny Brook goes down. Have everybody grabs a guy, and then sure enough, it looks like Cam Talbot's going to get involved in a little bit of a scrum, and Mike Smith comes out to center red line, waiting to see what happens. And sure enough, we had a goalie fight, Dave. We have a first time in a, what seems like well, let's a go. long time. Let's nice go. little fight. It didn't last too long. It wasn't a Ray Emery fight like what we saw in Buffalo way back when, but we got to see a goalie fight. Everybody grabbed a guy. Nice, good old-fashioned line brawl. Um, Dave, as a guy that's not – you're not the biggest hockey guy, right? You're the, we've said on the show many times, you're like the the um, the casual hockey fan, I guess, yes. right? You're, yes. You'll watch the big game, playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. When you saw this on Twitter or wherever, I assume you didn't see, see it on, on uh, live on TV or anything. I what were your on, first thoughts? I, I saw it on the score, and whenever I saw the notification – uh, I usually let a lot of those notifications build up on my phone, but that one I almost opened immediately when I saw that and started watching. And, you know, you get all pumped up for what could be like a long, long fight. Um, but you didn't really get to see much of it. But just to see, you know, everyone else out there, you know, holding on to their dance partner, doing, you know, doing the, the swing and everything else like that. Um, I always appreciate the fact that there's two guys on each end that barely get involved with um, altercations and or, or I shouldn't say barely. They have players step up and for altercations that they might get involved with, except if you're Peter Mrazek. Um, <laughs> but it, it's so nice to just see these two guys from end to end just come together and say, want to fight? Sure, let's do it. And they, just, <laughs> they, they go at it. It's, it's beautiful, really. It's just a nice way of kind of accepting the situation that's going on right now, and they don't want to be left out. I love it. Right, yeah. And, I mean, Mike Smith's going down just to make sure everything's all evened up, that there's no uh, no odd man fights or anything like that. And, um, you know, they ended up going. And it's kind of funny, too, because the, the NHL said that they were going to be in Edmonton on uh, on Wednesday night for the, fir- for the first round, pretty much, because of the Zach Cassie and Matthew Kachuk whole saga that they were afraid everything was going to boil over and you had a uh you had a ryan nugent hopkins fight with uh i believe he fought sam bennett i could be wrong on that or sean monahan one of the two and then matthew kachuk paid it paid his tab fought zach cassian pretty quickly um so everybody was all happy hunky dory everything's all even and then it just all blew up saturday night with no nhl brass there or anything so uh yeah, it was some old time hockey, and every once in a while, it's really nice to see when something like that happens. That the uh, what we grew up with watching hockey, it's still in the game. It's still there. No. You can try, t- you can try and take it out as much as you want, but at the end of the day, it's still there. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there was a, a Penguins Islanders game years ago where it was another line brawl and a ton of penalty minutes came out of that game. And I believe there was a goalie fight there. Was that 2013 or was that even before 20, that? 2011, I think it was okay. the year that it was the year that, um, Sid had, had his concussions and Gino blew his knee out. 
that they lost. They lost to Tampa in the first round in seven games. Okay, because I, I I remember distinctively that those two were not involved in that game. <laughs> but uh, but what was it? I believe two hundred and ninety minutes were passed out. And that, yeah, that something matchup? like that. Yeah, that no. was that was a uh, that was a circus to say the least. And th- that was always the game that people were watching out for, kind of circling on the calendar to get more fights like that and just big hits. And it's, I mean, even with the the sweep by the Islanders last year, that still kind of fizzled out of a matchup that you used to see the the brawlers go at it. Um, I mean, LaRock, I don't think was on the team. At that point, so you didn't really have that kind of enforcer on your team. Well, you had, you had Eric Goddard then. He racked up a ton of minutes that night. Um, Derek Anglin was on that team too. So, I mean, you had some fighters on that right. team. But, um, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like the NHL, since that game, has really kind of um, tried to keep that from happening um, in terms of games like that or events like that happening where – it gets so out of hand and you have only, you know, seven guys on the bench left and it looks like a men's league game more than anything. So, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it, it was nice to see that those two rivals get, getting it going because for a while the battle of Alberta though was, was kind of dull. Like both teams weren't doing well. Um, obviously getting Connor McDavid into that, into that rivalry kind of helps it out a little bit, but to get that nastiness back in the battle of Alberta, I think, uh, any ho- any hockey fan will say that's that's an absolute good thing that that happened Saturday night. So one thing that uh, I can tell you about those games is that I still don't even know who won either one of those matchups because of how much I loved the the goalie fight more. I didn't even I did not even look at the score at that point when the fight happened. So I mean, as ignorant as this might sound of me asking. What did you think of the games overall? I mean, I mean, did you see the highlights or anything like that? No, I, I'm same same thing. I didn't see any of the highlights. I I know the the Oilers won Saturday night. I think they won like eight three or something. But uh, yeah, I didn't see any of the highlights either. I was just so like so mesmerized by these fights and you know how they start because usually there's a whole you can you can break down everything of what happened what leads into these things and stuff like that so i was kind of looking into those more than more than anything else so i i am looking forward for the next 10 years when this happens again because that usually seems like the timeline um and you know i kind of really hope that these two teams meet up in the playoffs you're not going to get something like that in the playoffs, but to kind of have bragging rights at this point, like you were saying how it was kind of dying out the battle of Alberta. Um, this might bring it up a little bit. This, this overall uh, line brawl fight and the fact that both of these teams have improved. You had to, well, if you want to look at last season, the flames have kind of regressed a little bit, but overall these teams have improved in the last couple of years and we have a chance at a, at a matchup in the playoffs for them. So one last note on this before we move on. The last game of the year is on a Saturday night against Edmonton in Calgary. Could be a preview of a first-round matchup, which everybody's praying for right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, doing so, my, I'm pumping my fist for and if, uh, fight night. If you remember, too, in, tw- in 2012 when the Penguins played the Flyers in the first round, I believe they played the last game of the year against each other, and that's when Danny Briere got laid out center ice, and that started a huge brawl. And then we got a circus of a series between the Penguins and Flyers in the first round. Penguins so maybe, 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 maybe we see something similar uh, between the Oilers and Flames, which I would love because it's not the Penguins involved. So you know, maybe, maybe we get the same thing between the Oilers and Flames. We'll see. All right, but hey, um, I know this might not have been on our notes because I think we're pretty much done with this segment. Got a notification here that Bufflin and the Jets might be parting ways soon. Oh, yeah, that got dropped today that, um, yeah, they're apparently talking about a contract termination to basically get him off the Jets' books, which would be a uh, – that's a huge relief for them, especially going into the deadline. you got to wonder – 
what their plans would be going into the tra- the uh, trade deadline at the end of the month. Um, I think what was it like seven and a half million dollars or around eight million that would come off their cap. So that could open up uh, a, a ton of room for for uh, some trade deadline moves from the Winnipeg Jets. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know that was a that was kind of a I'm trying to find the right word a raunchy situation going into the season between those two and. I would say even surprising that they kind of came to amends to for Bufflin to come back. And that's probably more or less him just trying to um, uh, kind of stick up for his teammates and join the team. But I guess it's some, something's not going right there. Yeah, I don't know if he's still having issues with his injury or – or what the deal is. I hadn't read too much into it. I just remember seeing that the contract termination was being negotiated by both sides. So um, it'll be interesting to see because now the Jets, again, they have kind of like an $8 million bubble that'll that'll open up for them for the trade deadline, and uh, maybe they make a push to the playoffs here and maybe get a big name. All right. So, yeah, I just wanted to, to bring that up uh, a little bit. Anything else for the world of hockey? I think we're good. I think we're good. I think we might be doing a quick show today. <laughs> <laughs> we we might be. You're you're right about that. Um. So, where do we want to start in baseball? Um. Well, the big news that's going on right now is apparently Mookie Betts is going to get traded here within what seems like the next day or so. It and I've been listening to a a mix of. Fantasy, sports radio, it's nice to have this serious package. Um, And just overall, just general baseball talk with some people. I'm going to pull up Mookie's numbers right now. And the one thing that people kind of bring up is a very simple stat. Um, And that's just his batting average. But if you... All right, I, it's hard for me to like type and search for this at the same time. But if you want to look at the last three years overall for Mookie Betts, and this is this should all just be um, all based off of his major league years, so not even his minor league years, which his numbers were a lot lower in the minor league. But the the one thing that's Good to bring up. I don't know why baseball reference isn't loading for me. I think my internet sucks. He had <laughs> I was going to say, you're struggling here. <laughs> he had a 295 average last year. Um, his MVP year, I believe, was around 340-something. I'm going to guess like 342. And okay. the year before that was around like 280. That first year when Mookie Betts hit for 340 or whatever is when Alex Cora joined the team. And, you know, I don't think I would have to explain much more when it comes to Alex Cora and what he's been involved with and allegedly involved with. But do you think that Mookie Betts might have been, might have favored off of whatever system Alex Cora had that year in 2018? And if they didn't do anything in 2019, he's not a bad player, but he's not, maybe not the best player on the field, kind of like Mike Trout is. Um, do you think that's part of the reason why Boston is looking to shop him like they are? Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think you could be looking into something there pretty deep, but um, I mean, I, I, I get your argument. I'm not ready to say that yet until the investigation investigation's over with the Red Sox and we find out what all happened with the Red Sox. Um, but yeah, I, I just – I don't know. Is this not what the Red Sox kind of always do, though? They never really hang on to their, their like, superstars once they get paid. They kind of move, move on, and they kind of take the top prospects from other teams, develop them, and then they come up, and that's when the Red Sox surge. Just when their prospects come up, they, they'll go out and sign a big contract, but they're also still developing prospects to come up. They're kind of like the Dodgers a little bit. Like, you know I mean, what they- I mean? They did they, they have get, Big Poppy all those years, so they're, they, it's their rare case when you do have that one player you hold on to. Yeah, but, that you hold on to, but, I mean, like, Bill Mark Garcia Pardon hang around, like, his whole career. That 
it just seems like they, they always do this, that a superstar eventually re- reaches his peak in Boston, and then they're ready to move him out for some big prospects. Those prospects come in, one from, from the, uh, the uh, farm system, then come up, and then they become superstars, and the cycle just keeps on going. His average actually in 2017 was 264. So he shot up almost 80 points to 346 the next year and dropped back down to a 295. Had uh, career highs or led the league in both um, in runs in both 2018 and 2019. But I just think it's almost I, – I can see why you think I'm digging too deep into this just based off what I've listened – what I've been listening to and why is this, you know, kind of coming up? Why is Mookie of all people um, the one that's probably going to be moved out of all the other pieces that could be moved because you are locked into JD Martinez for another five years at around, I believe a little under 30 million a year. Um, And, you know, this could be their way to just not want to pay Mookie the arbitration that he got this year, which I think was almost 30 million around 28 and a half. But it's, I don't, I want to see why they're looking to move a guy like that because Boston can afford almost anyone just like the Dodgers and Yankees, right? Right. So I, it's strange to me why you have an MVP of back in 2018. Um, I don't think, no, Steve Pierce of all people that won the World Series MVP, but uh, <laughs> a dude like Mookie Betts who's, is, as smooth as he is on the field and just in front of the camera and probably even someone great to look up to while you're looking to move that piece in order just to get those prospects again. But the business is always going to be bigger than the player, right? Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you're wrong on what you're saying with the whole Alex core thing or anything. I'm just not ready to go there yet until we, we learn about the investigation and everything and, and, See what ha- we'll see what happens because, like you said before, um, before his MVP year, he hit what 295. So, I mean, I don't know if that's if, if I mean, it's still a, a you know a top average in baseball. So, um, I don't know, we'll see. I, I, I do expect him to go to the Dodgers, though. I've, I've heard Dodgers or the uh, Padres, and I just, I just think that the the Dodgers have the prospects and the money to be able to pay them that um I think that the Padres are going to eventually just get scared off by how much you're going to have to give up for them it's it's kind of amazing how the the Dodgers are usually the team that somehow don't move any of their top prospects and still make trades for these huge names in all of baseball and that this will be the one time that they probably end up giving up big ends on, on their side and, you know, kind of power up the team that beat their ass in 2018 in the World Series. So. Yeah. Uh, is that not the, the other concerning thing, too, is that everybody keeps saying, like, you know, the Dodgers should be pissed. The Dodgers should be this. Well, they're they're trying to make a deal with a team that screwed them out of a World Series in 2018. Yeah. So I I would say it's probably more likely for – Buki to go to the Padres and you know wouldn't that be something you got Manny Machado Fernando Tatis and Mookie Betts I mean you're gonna have all these big names here and you still don't have a pitcher to to hang your hat on in any of those games (laughs) yeah and I think it's gonna be interesting to to see what they do I just I think for because it's it's kind of well known that the the Padres have one of the best prospect pools in baseball right now right yeah, and you know, so I, I, Fernando I, Tatis last year, you have more I, potential for that. So I'm kind of just thinking, like, if I'm them, like, I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be sending over too many of my top prospects just for Mookie Betts. I, I, I what with how they are and the amount of money that they have spread out with Manny Machado and everything like that, because Manny Machado can opt out of his deal halfway through, right? In like year um, four or five, he has an opt out in there. I would have to look that up, but it, you might be right. So, like, so what if Manny Machado leaves, and then you're kind of who's your? You have an outfield, but who's who's going to be your 
your third baseman or that cornerstone hitter that you that you uh, you thought you invested all this money into, but decided to opt out. Right, right, and you know, there's always a potential for stuff like that based off the contracts that the that the players sign, and you know, that's that's the risk that I think the the Padres are willing to take because of the constant moves that they've been making over the last couple of years. They're trying to hang with the big boys, but at the same time, they still don't have enough of a team to hang with those big boys and end up coming up short each year. I know that feeling, but at least the Padres are trying. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I just don't know if I, if I'm the Padres, I don't want to be giving up my, you know, old saying, I don't want to give up the farm just to get Mookie Betts. I, I think that they, they need to let these prospects develop, come through their system I don't know if they want to be spending that much money just on a third baseman and a right fielder or wherever. Like, you know what I mean? Plus Mookie is in his last year of arbitration going into this year. So he, he's already getting the money that he's going to be paid this year, whether it's from the the Red Sox, Padres or Dodgers. He's a free agent um, this winter. So how much can you, Yeah, how much do you want to give up if for essentially a rental for one year? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's one year, $27 million in arbitration and going to be a free agent. So he's probably going to look to get more than that after this year, unless it's a catastrophic year for Mookie Betts, which I doubt. Um, he'd probably have to bat below 264 like he did right before his uh, MVP season in order in order to make less money on longer group on a longer deal. But that's still going to be a longer deal signing at the age of 28. How much do you want to be? invested in him going into the free agency if even if he's or especially if you're on a team that doesn't make the playoffs with him right and and again like you said say it goes bad say it goes bad this year and they they don't make the playoffs again or they're not even near a wild card i mean he's a foregone conclusion he'll be gone right i mean he's uh, unless you give him something that that blows him away He's going to test the market. So um, I, I just don't see the reward outweighing the risk. And honestly, if I'm the Padres, I say, go ahead, LA. You, you, can t- you, you take them. <laughs> just win the, win the division again and just lose in the playoffs again. We'll be fine. Right, right, right. So, um, if, you, if we kind of want to stay on this Mookie Betts thing, we also had – Nolan Arenado, who signed a had a crazy arbitration recently, he was in the talks of being traded. And one team that really came out that it looked like it was going to happen was that he was going to be moved to St. Louis, of all teams. And all of a sudden, that kind of came crashing down. And Nolan Arenado was not very pleased to be a part of those conversations and no deal gets made. So either the Rockies tried to get way too much for him or um, maybe they were insulted by the deal that the Cardinals gave him and just wanted to back out of it. But the fact that his name came up publicly and trade talks like that for all that he's done on the field and especially on the field because he wins the platinum glove, which is the best in all of the NL, I believe, and gold glove nonstop on the third base position. Um, Jeff, I mean... You don't have to put yourself in that position, but if you're a player who has just been the most dominant thing on the team, but you've reached the playoffs once, you, um, I believe, came up, or you won the the wild card game play-in, but you came up short in the first round, and that's one year out of, I'd say, probably six that you made the playoffs. Would you be a little bit mad that you the superstar are being thrown around in trade talks like that and nothing happens. Yeah, I think so because you know, you're starting to try and prepare yourself where where you're going and you you've kind of accepted it and um a lot of times too when when your name gets brought up in trade talks too, everybody's like, "Well, he wants out." That's like always the first assumption, right? You know, this guy wants out. He doesn't want to be in the city anymore and you know, you got to get drug, drug through the mud a little bit by the media or fans or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I understand why he's upset. Um, 
I know I know one guy that's a fan of the Atlanta Braves on this podcast that would have loved him to come to Atlanta because that was rumored around a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I, I get his beef. I don't know if I would have went public with it, saying how upset he was or feeling disrespected by the organization. I think that's when you kind of put in your back pocket and maybe when a deal's done, it gets brought up or maybe down the road it gets brought up. Uh, I kind of disagree with with him going public with it, but I, I completely understand why he why he's um, upset and feels disrespected by the Rockies organization. Yeah, so I mean, he just signed the the seven year two sixty mil contract with the the Rockies, and they were already looking to ship him after that, like almost try to take that off the books for for some reason. So that also is another confusing part about this. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like you signed him to this long, this really long deal, and then these rumors come up of, you know, we might be moving Arenado. He he might be on the move somewhere. Um, not something that, especially not only for your for your young prospects to want to stay there, but for any free agents that would want to come there. That just because because you signed a long deal doesn't mean you'll be here for that contract. I mean, you you want to look. He is a three-time platinum glove winner, seven-time gold glove winner. I'm on the baseball reference page that it loaded. Um, <laughs> it, now, I don't want to say that he is a product of the field that he plays on half the season. But 42 home runs back in 2015. I mean, since 2015, he's been an all-star. 42 home runs, 41, 37, 38, 41. RBIs are 130, 133, 130, 110, and 118. Um, and the batting average, the highest it was was 315, which was last year. The lowest it was was 287. So, I mean, they're, they're different positions. I think I have another player to compare them to to see who you would rather pick. But which one would, if all these trade rumors are coming out, if you're a team looking to get that final piece you have an opening in both outfield and third base, which one would you rather go for? Between Betts and Arenado? Yes. Hmm. Because I have my answer, and if you want me to go first, I'll do that. Who am I basing this off of? Like, Am I a GM of any team, or are we going off being a fanboy of Braves Pirates? Um, I was going to say any team or I, I was kind of throwing out that you have a, you have an open hole in both the outfield and third base. I would take, I would take, Oh geez, that's really hard. It's such a broad, it's so broad. Oh geez. I'll take, uh, I'll take Mookie Betts because I like the fact that he's got, he's got the bat and the speed to go with it. He's kind of, he's like Acuna, I, you know, not to, to put a brave spin on it, but um, yeah, I, it, to have that power, to have that bat. And, you know, if he doesn't hit a home run, he's still a threat on the base pass too. So I'll take Mookie Betts. I mean, I, I think I would go with Arenado just because of how excellent he is on the field. Um, when, when you're growing up as a player who kind of valued fielding more than hitting, and maybe that's why I was never that good. Um, but I, I thought I was excellent with the glove. I, I love it when people can constantly flash a leather like that. Mookie Betts is a great defender. Don't get me wrong. But Arenado's in a class of his own when it comes to defending the hot corner in baseball. And I think, I don't want to go that much deeper into the stats right now, but I want to say that he, that Arenado is a bit of a, a, does benefit off having Coors Field, but can still hammer it on the road as well. All right, so Jeff, I think we've reached the end of the show. Like you said, it's a, a bit of a short show, so we are already here at the finish line, ready to go. And now we got MVP of the week. So, Jeff, do you have anyone in mind? I'll let you go first. I kind of want to sit on this one. Okay. Um, is, now, do you think it would be okay if I use the one I was going to use last week? Because I know last week we kind of got into the whole uh, Kobe Bryant situation, which you know affects almost everyone who follow sports. Um, so do you think it's okay this one time to use the person I was going to use last week? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so the All-Star game being in St. Louis, um, you you get all the, the special guests and everything else to kind of pull the heartstrings sometimes. But the Blues had someone special 
helped them out and win their first cup last year. And this time, uh, during the All-Star game, she was honored to be the um, kind of essentially the, the PA announcer to announce all of the All-Stars on the Blues uh, right before the, the matchup. And Layla Anderson killed it out there. Um, she She's on the ice now. Uh, from what I remember, and I could be wrong, but I think that she is a cancer survivor, like a little girl, and was able to beat it up. So congrats to her. I do think that, that is the story. Um, and, and she's a huge Blues fan. But the energy that she brought when announcing all four of the Blues All-Stars was incredible. And Jeff, let me tell you, she pronounced every name correctly, so she would be able to replace us on the show as well. So I'm a little worried about our little our little hobby that's that she might be able to steal this but yeah she's probably gonna run us out of business we gotta send some goons out there set her straight so she is the mvp (laughs) of last week and now this week because i couldn't use it last week okay not bad not bad i like that one a little sentimental uh i'm gonna go a little bit more hardcore here um for those of you that don't know um as we're recording this the nhl network is showing the Beanpot Tournament up in Boston, Massachusetts. Dave, I assume you don't know what the Beanpot Tournament is. Isn't it between Boston College and Boston University? Yeah, so it's like a four-team tournament that they hold every year. Uh, BCBU, um, Harvard, Northeastern. It's like all the Boston schools. I forget how you qualify for it or if you just kind of – it's like a lottery. But usually BCBU are in it, and then then they throw a couple others in there. Um, So – for the first time this year, though, the NHL Network is showing the games today, um, February 3rd. They're sh- right now, they're showing Northeastern and Harvard, and then they're showing BCBU later tonight. Um, very excited for this. Uh, this is a big deal for, for college hockey in the Boston area and everything. And as I have stated on this podcast before big bc hockey supporter that's where i wanted to go when i was a kid didn't really pan out but neither here nor there um so my mvp is going to go to the boston college eagles men's hockey team go get them today boys let's get rid of uh let's get rid of bu quick and early and let's go win a bean pot tournament in uh in the next week or two here huh so let's go eagles yeah, well, there you go. I think I think that'll do it on both sides here. You know, always appreciate everyone who who listens to the show. Uh, we have our Facebook page, Icy Takes with Jeff and Big Dave. We post about a couple big things that are happening either in baseball or hockey. Love love to get responses from you guys there. Also have the Twitter where you can follow us there as well and see who else we are following. See any retweets that we that we might be running into. Um, Anything that we think is big. Um, no, you got our personal Twitter, at Jake underscore Dave 52. At Jake Chris underscore 51. Like our Lord and Savior, amen. And hopefully this show didn't go up too far off the rails, but maybe we'll put her back on the rails next week. But until then, stay icy, people. <laughs>